Good evening, good evening, everybody. It is Monday, October 23rd at 9.19 p.m. Can't figure out why I don't have a feed yet. Should be on one second. Thanks for tuning in uh, tonight where you usually would find a handsome hour uh, about 20 minutes ago or 20-ish minutes ago. Um, instead, you've got a quick cast with just me just because we wanted to put something in its place, make sure there was a little more content. Um, and... Uh, both Anisha and Jay were pretty busy tonight, so they had to uh, had to to do a couple other things. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in, though. Really appreciate it, especially in a bye week. Uh, you may have enjoyed the fact that Purdue didn't play on Saturday. Um, got a little break from maybe feeling stressed, maybe being bothered, whatever. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the season so far. As I talked about beginning back in August, it's hard to predict what a team would look like with all these new moving parts. Now we know a little bit about them. I'm going to give out a couple, maybe one midseason award, a couple other um, not-so-positive things. Who knows? Um, but uh, before I do it, let me let me thank uh, thank our two sponsors, Home Field. Uh, head over to homefieldapparel.com. Enter Boiled23 at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order. Uh, they got some really cool stuff. Those jackets that uh, uh, they released the Purdue version back in spring, but they released a whole bunch of new teams. If you're into other teams, you can go over and get one of those. I would suggest just get the Purdue jacket. Um, but uh, that's that's one of those items. It's a bigger bigger ticket item there at Home Field that uh, might uh, that 15% off might be a really a real good benefit. If you were to do that, if you haven't used your discount yet. Uh, also, uh, if you're on campus, the next time you're on campus, when Purdue's on, in town, uh, head over to AJ's on Vine. Uh, and before you go that, go to eatajs.com, order ahead, uh, order one of the delicious things there, and then uh, the good folks at AJ's will hook you up straight up. They'll be, uh, they'll be great, and uh, you'll enjoy your time there. Who knows? Maybe go to AJ's this week while Purdue's on the road. Uh, but uh, like I said, thanks for tuning in, and let's talk a little bit about football, the things we actually know. Uh, we can uh, dig in pretty deep together. A couple of you are tuning in live. Really appreciate it. Dick Stillwagon is here. Chris Harder's here. Greg McManus. John Younger. That's a good, solid core right there, and from there it's going to be up, up, and up. But uh, when you see the beautiful people here, that's when you know it's serious, and those guys are all in that group. Um but uh, let's go through, okay, so when coming into the season, there were a couple things that I think Purdue fans thought might be the case, and some of those haven't come to fruition. Maybe you can uh, leave some comments here, and you can tell me about what you think was a surprise to you and what was uh, something that um, has gone exactly as expected. One thing that I think has gone exactly as expected is the attrition due to in injury has been something that I saw coming and has stung quite a little bit, especially the last few games. We're not out of the woods yet as Purdue fans because you got a couple uh, big, strong teams uh, coming right down the right down the road. These next two games, Nebraska and Michigan, are two two teams. If you want to be worried, bothered, concerned, whatever it is, like I said, Nebraska is not the best team. Uh, you look at statistically, the record, anything, the way you measure them, not the best team. They're sitting in a better t better position than Purdue, of course, because of the um, the nature of their schedule and the nature of Purdue's schedule. Um, Purdue has some teams coming uh, the back half of the schedule that look like they're a little bit more favorable matchups, if you will. But uh, until that happens, Purdue has to deal with uh, some more tough times before um, maybe they get a chance to do some things they're more comfortable with. So one of the things that I thought uh, that, that maybe would go a little bit better than they have, I really thought the air raid offense – 
and uh, Hudson Card as a fit would be better right away. And I don't know if it was just being a hopeful fan, anything much more than that. I watched Hudson Card videos. I think he's still the same guy I thought he was coming in. He's a solid quarterback. He makes um, some good decisions at times. He's got a lot, a lot of tools in the toolbox. But I don't know, and I've you've heard this week after week with me, last few weeks, talking about Graham Harrell. I just don't know if um, I have a ton of uh, faith in Harrell as a play caller just yet. Um, so that's been a, I would say, if I'm going to be disappointed, my biggest disappointment of the um, uh, of the season so far is probably the play calling and specifically um, the way the offense has looked overall. We can we can blame it on whatever we want, and um, we've talked about it quite a bit on the Handsome Hour. We've talked about how you know you got to deal with what you've got to deal with, whether it's personnel issues, injuries, whatever you've had, and obviously the of, uh, offensive line. Those injuries are really mounting up, and they've been tough. Speaking of those injuries. Uh, Muhammad Musa, uh, according to Coach Walters today at his press conference, uh, is day-to-day, so that's better than it could be. Uh, it looked like, who knows, could have been a serious injury, but it looks like he might be able to play this week uh, versus Nebraska. Who knows? Um, but they need Musa back. They need everybody back that they can get just because uh, that offensive uh, line is going to define how successful the rest of the season is. And uh, regardless of what plays you're calling, you got to have the guys up front healthy. Um, but just the overall, I think it's tough. As Purdue fans, we generally want to see offense. We understand that the great regulator, or the, pardon me, the great um, uh, equalizer, if you will, is quarterback play and offensive play specifically. An explosive offense can put teams in a position where they, uh, they're struggling to catch up or figure it out. And Purdue hadn't had that this year. Granted, Purdue scored some points, um, but they haven't scored them in bunches like they need to, especially with all the moving parts not being settled in and the program being in so much flux. I don't know if I'm too surprised with the the Ryan Walters era yet. Um, I think if it were, uh, we, we, we played a little game last week or a, uh, we talked a little bit about what would it be like if Brom was still here and all that stuff. A ton of hypotheticals. Everything changes with that specific scenario. But I don't know if I'm too surprised with what's happened yet. I know a lot of fans really, really hoped that Ryan Walters and company would come in and do kind of like what Joe Tiller did and right away light the world on fire. <clears throat> but as we've talked about ad nauseum, the schedule is not in that position. The roster was not in that position this is a pretty, pretty tall order. And the era is different, too. Let's be real honest. Who knows what uh, the Joe Tiller era would have started out as if the NIL and the uh, mass transfers were still a th- were a thing back then. All this stuff doesn't translate one-to-one, really. And so I think you got to take that, that into account as a, fan, as a fan. Before I get <clears throat> too far into my uh, thoughts of the midseason, let me uh, address a couple more things that Walters had to say in his presser today. One thing that was really noteworthy to me was that Zion Steptoe has moved over a cornerback. That's a guy that I was really excited. I thought <clears throat> Steptoe would be a guy that would maybe make some uh, some noise this year. But as it turns out, he's over on the defensive side of the ball for multiple reasons. Um, uh, injuries are hurting uh, the defensive backfield quite a bit. And on the offensive side, you're starting to see some of the young guys who are maybe a half step in front or uh, whatever you want to call it, guys like... 
uh, Tibbs um, and uh, some other guys are, are starting to get their feet under them and creating depth at the in the wide receiver receiver core. So step toes on the other side of the ball. Um, another thing I thought was really interesting is the way that Walters talked about Nebraska. He disdains Nebraska because he grew up in the shadows of Colorado football. So this is a game that he's looking forward to because he does not like Nebraska. He knows what those colors mean to him. He knows what that stadium means to him. And um, I thought that was interesting. Who knows? Maybe uh, wishful thinking, but who knows? Maybe it'll be one of those things that that Ryan Walters kind of just uh, gets a stranglehold on Nebraska right away and doesn't let go. I think that'd be a great thing to see. I think getting a win now, obviously, extremely important for Purdue. Um, if you're if you're into that sort of thing where you really want Purdue to get to six and six, this is this is a pivotal game. This is probably the game to define the success on the season. So we'll see what happens there, and then. Um, another thing from Walter's presser that got my attention was the fact that he said um, the third string cornerback Brown went full live in practice, meaning they were going all out. And he said he's handled it well. He's a big, strong kid. But I think he's trying to see um, different scenarios, of course, but doesn't want to uh, go full with all the other quarterbacks. Said Hudson Card's healthier than he's been in a matter of weeks, which is great to hear. So um, uh, Purdue needs that drastically too they need they need everybody to be healthy like i said before so if i'm going to put on a season mvp um and you can tell me you disagree or agree uh my season mvp and it's, i think it's pretty easy is dylan thieneman thieneman is uh has been a stat sheet stuffer as they say we're on the basketball side but um you can see he is an important part of the defense. Uh, Walters brags about his ability to make plays, his ability to never take a playoff, his ability to go 100 miles per hour, 100% all the time, whatever whatever um, uh, you want to call it. But Thieneman, here's some of the stats that put him in this position. He's got 45 tackles on the season. He's fourth in the league. He's got three interceptions in the season. On the season, he's fourth in the league there too. Um, so that's been a pretty big deal. For, for Thieneman, uh, I think it'd be a lot worse for the Purdue Defense, I think they give up even more points because how many how many touchdown saving tackles has Thieneman had this season? Um, I would say the biggest surprise of the season, if I were going to say on the positive side, probably uh, Devin Mockaby's struggle fumbling the ball. That was a pretty <laughs> something I didn't see coming, especially when, with his history. But on the positive uh, uh, surprise, Deion Burks and his big plays. That's been a that's been a. a I don't know if it's. I don't know if it offsets the fumbles on Maccabee's side, but it's been a pretty big positive, uh, pretty good surprise. I really didn't see either of those things coming, so that's what uh, putting that there. Um, my best positional group. If I was going to go one, two, three, or three, two, one, let's go three, two, one. I'd say the running backs are the third best positional group, simply because you've had some great output from both Tracy and Maccabee. I'll talk about that a little bit more. Let's see. Um, Maccabee is sixth in the league, 68 yards a game. Tracy, 13th in the league, six TDs um, for Tracy. Um, but so that'd be my third best positional group. My second best positional group would be the defensive line, of course, led by Jenkins and Scourton, Nick Scourton. Both those guys, why they have, why are they the second best um, positional group to me? You could probably say they're first best, but. Um, uh, you, you could really easily argue they're the first best, but the problem that I have is Purdue has son of a gun. I just had the balloons again, and I have no idea why that's happening. That makes no sense to me. The balloons are back. We're not in the normal provider. This makes no sense at all. 
So congratulations to me again for celebrating a birthday. I still don't understand why balloons are making an appearance nearly every week. Uh, this is weird. Um, but the, um, let's see, uh, it really took me off my rhythm there, which some of you guys are probably okay with. But the um, defense, defensive line led by Jenkins with uh, seven tackles for a loss. He has five sacks. He's second in the league in sacks. And Scourton has four sacks. He is fourth in the league in six tackles for a loss. Those two guys have been huge, but the I think the thing that makes that positional group not quite as uh, noteworthy or not putting them over the top of the next one is because of the struggles up the, in the middle. Uh, not that those guys have been bad, but the lack of consistency against the run when you need a big play, haven't been able to get off the uh, field, especially in the middle. And so that that has kind of knocked them down a rung. So for my my best positional group, of course, the wide receivers, um, they've looked strong. You've got a lot of guys that have contributed. Burks is seventh in the league, uh, 60 yards a game. Yassin is 12th in the league, 55 yards a game. Um, Sheffield, 44 yards a game uh, with a TD. Uh, Burks has five TDs, by the way. And then, of course, Claire, before he went down with injury, uh, was averaging uh, nearly 40 yards a game. All four guys, I know Claire's a, a tight end, but all four guys in the top 25 um, in overall yardage a game uh, per game. So that's why I gave that group the nod. Uh, I don't know if I'm surprised at that. I didn't worry about the wide receivers coming in. I think one thing that Purdue needs, they need really one more guy to add to Burke's ability to take the lid off of a defense because defenses have tried to take that away from Purdue and have been pretty successful at times. Um, let's see, anything else in here? Um, one thing I think another major disappointment, a major disappointment has been some of the special teams play specifically Purdue was last in field goals, last in punts, uh, 35 yards a punt, not good last in PATs cause they missed two of them. Uh, but one on the other side, special teams giveth and taketh away the, um, you've got two of the best returners in the league in Tracy and Sheffield, um, Tracy is first. I think he's got, yep, 33 yards uh, kickoff return. Of course, he was aided by his big um, uh, kickoff return for a touchdown versus Fresno State. Of course, Sheffield um, has, is averaging 11.4 yards uh, per punt return. I think he is second in the league. Those are pretty good numbers, but the special teams have let Purdue down just as much as they've been thrilling at times. In fact, probably more than they've been thrilling. And so that's been kind of a tough pill to swallow because – it seems like all over the field, whether offense, defense, or special teams, the teams have struggled to find identity, struggled to find, find consistency. And I think that comes from having a bit of a patchwork uh, roster, uh, new coaches. All these moving parts are, um, um, all these moving parts have played into the, um, into the problems of the, of the overall season so far. So next up, Purdue plays Nebraska. Nebraska, like I said, um, I think the biggest thing, if you're going to say it's a, it's a bit of a coin flip, Nebraska's favored by three and a half points. I think that's smart because of the home field advantage, if nothing else. Um, Nebraska coming off a rousing victory over Northwestern. If you look at the bottom of the league this year, if you want to take a half step back and look at just some of the bad football that's been played on offense, it's rough. Uh, there have been some, some pretty rotten performances uh, in that bottom half of the conference. Um, IU, Northwestern, Michigan, Purdue, Iowa. Um, put Iowa in there, even though they're up near the top of the conference overall, but that offense continues to stink. 
And uh, I don't think that's going to go anywhere or change anything. Nebraska also, it's all driven by quarterback play. You've got quarterbacks at Nebraska, Minnesota, IU struggling to find uh, which which guy is going to be their guy. Northwestern, all these quarterbacks have struggled at times. And sometimes they'll struggle mightily to the point where it looks like, do these guys even belong playing Division One? Let alone let alone Big Ten football. And I think that's if you're going to point at one thing overall in the league, a theme is really you've got a ton of quarterbacks in the league that are just underexperienced, and it is showing. It shows all the time. Even one of the league leaders, of course, Ohio State and Kyle McCord. That's a guy that at times looks like he can't make the passes that that offense needs him to make. Michigan, of course, has a veteran QB, and it shows. Man, they are, they're passing so much more effectively than they did last year. They're running the ball effectively, and of course, they're cheating their asses off while doing so. So that's been a fun development, watching um, kind of what's coming down the pike for Michigan. I've heard an interesting discussion on this about what's so wrong with um, trying to take signals. If you don't understand the whole thing, you haven't spent a bunch of time digging deep into it. Michigan has a system of cheating, uh, which is noteworthy. And it's not just here, right? We've got now a pattern of behavior where they've been caught two or three different places, whether on or off the field, stretching, bending the rules, pushing as far to the edge of the envelope as they can. Um, and it's not a coincidence that as Michigan figured things out, they also have been um, doing it outside of the edges of the rules. So if you're like me... Um, I mean, I'm a cynic anyway when it comes to really high-end college sports, and um, I think Michigan will give you more reason to be cynical. Um, let's see if there's anything else I really had down here in my chaotic notes. Um, let's go back to one more thing. We'll talk about card real quickly. I, I know a lot of people have di been disappointed in card um, that last game when he was struggling mightily, uh, or two games ago, when he was struggling mightily with injury versus Ohio State. That last game. Um, last game. <clears throat> He, like, I don't think we can we can uh, discount how tough it is to play through injury. But um, he's still completing 60.6% of his passes. He's got seven TDs, five interceptions. Not great numbers, not awful numbers. He's But the funny thing is he's third in the league. Like I was talking about quarterback struggles. He's still third in the league in uh, overall quarterback play. As long, he's got the longest TD on the, the season, the one to Burks. It was 84 yards, I think. Versus Fresno State, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly. Um, I, I I wouldn't I'd call I'd call Card a lot more than serviceable, but I know a lot of Purdue fans are upset with the fact that he didn't come in right away and really light the world on fire. I understand that we've seen a lot of good quarterback play. There's no doubt, Purdue fans, we are we are spoiled uh, with the uh, the history of what we watch have we watched quarterbacks play so it's pretty easy to understand why we would all um, hope for a little bit more but I think cards problems are two or threefold number one like I said getting used to new offense is a big deal number two you can only do what the system allows it this isn't Joe Tiller's offense this is not a wide open offense it's a league doesn't that the league doesn't know how to defend. Um, and then, of course, injury, I think, is it plays in there uh, as well. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. Really appreciate it. Let me, uh, let me go down uh, uh, some of the comments here. Uh, Dick Stillwagen said he made it, of course. Uh, Chris Harder, thank you. Say it. Looking sharp. Appreciate it. Uh, just shaved my head. And I had 
I literally, I, I showered right before and I look like a baby. I've got red marks all over me. So that's great. Um, it's tough, uh, not having the other two here to bring up the handsome quotient. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Dick Stillwagon says, please apply it on the Taco Bell 3am and broken car windows. Yeah. So we can talk a little bit about other things. And if you've got other things to uh, ask about or have me comment about it, um, yeah, if you don't know it, um, IU had a freshman, a highly touted freshman, um, getting a little bit of a dust up this weekend, and he ended up getting arrested. Um, I saw another um, uh, another Purdue fan say, get off the kid's back. It's fair to say you shouldn't ride the kid too hard, but get on. also, we should all understand that with that limelight, with the fact that you are a guy that you get all these get NIL advantages, scholarship uh, the adulation of the media and, and fans alike. With that comes some responsibility. And going to Taco Bell at 3am, getting angry because you can't get your crunch wrap supreme, um, and then uh, menacing over uh, the Taco Bell staff, uh, that's not acceptable. That's not good. Uh, and then the next part is he had the chance to leave, according to a couple of accounts, and he decided to stay there and to return there and to not leave. If that's what he's doing sober, what would... What's a guy like if he ever drinks? And I don't want to assume anybody drinks underage. I'm not going to be that guy. But that's pretty nutty behavior. And my guess is he did have a substance or two in him. And IU police did, or Bloomington police, did IU some favors by not putting up all the charges. I think he had three, charge. there were three charges brought up against him. They were all misdemeanors. Um, and I think you'd have two or three more charges, charges automatically in there if they they were actually doing their job fully. So um, pretty wild situation down there, especially before the season. Tough way to start out for those uh, plucky Hoosiers. Good question. Um, John Younger, uh, good show, B-Dowd. I already saw your notes. Uh, Michigan Semi Tapes. Yeah, I, and I thought that might happen. This is the problem. So when you're in the analog world, you know, you've got, you've got all sorts of, of chaotic notes. Um, th- they can be stolen. Uh, my brother brought up a great point. You know, if you've got a problem with, with – remember Jeff Brom had this issue. He didn't want anybody stealing the signals. Of course, a lot of teams, you know, they hold up things to, to keep the um, press box from being able to read the, the signals. Uh, of course, you can't do anything about a guy buying tickets to the Purdue game and sitting in the stands watching, making notes at what actually happens, cross-reference it with film, um, which is what Michigan's been doing. That's documented. They should be in trouble. They won't be in trouble because the NCAA is what the NCAA is. Um, but one thing you can do, one thing that still exists, and, and we talked about this quite a bit in my family, is you can still bring in the plays with a guy coming on from the sideline. And then you can still trust the quarterback enough to read and make the right call. Let's think about the best Purdue football we've seen in my lifetime. Drew Brees was at quarterback, and Drew Brees audibleized so well and so often because he understood what was going on on the field. That was because he was trained well. It's because he had a great vision. He's obviously a super talented generational type guy. But once he was trained to do the job, the coach gave him the rope to say, go do the job. Something we don't see a whole bunch of in the modern era of football at all. In fact, right, they signal the plan. Then most teams say, stop, look over, get the signal from up top. Now we're going to audibleize from up top. It doesn't always work. In fact, let's look at the Big Ten this year. It doesn't work very often. These quarterbacks still don't know what they're doing. So, yeah, um, it's a good point, though, John. Thank you. Um, Greg McManus, uh, let's see. He says, Thieneman and Tracy are positives, above average uh, front seven. 
Yeah, I, I think um, uh, Tracy is. A, I didn't really mention Tracy a lot, and it's not really fair. Um, Tyron Tracy going from being a guy that was barely a role player in the Jeff Brom system to a guy who is extremely important, and he's shown his explosiveness really matters. His ability to plant his foot and just turn the ball north south. He's been he's been great. It's a shame that he's uh, had to miss time because of injury. Hopefully he's back for Nebraska. I think he'll be back. I didn't watch the presser with too much attent- attentiveness, honestly, so I apologize to you, the viewer. But, yeah, Tracy is a great surprise. That's a, that's a good one. Appreciate you bringing that up, Greg. Um, uh, passing game, it should be clicking, isn't it? Uh, it's negative. And thin, thin secondary. Um, the weird thing about this secondary, uh, if you look at the stats, number one, Sanusi Kane is up there. He is flirting with a, with some pretty elite numbers in a lot of places, but he's really a kind of a hybrid linebacker this year. Looks like to me, according to the um, positional responsibilities. So the the makeup or the the formations really put these guys in unusual positions. Sanusi Kane has kind of thrived. He's done a really good job being a guy who's just a hitter and using his strength. Um, but the defensive backfield, cornerbacks have struggled. Um, I think Markevious Wilson um, leads the Big Ten in, no, he's second or third, if I'm remembering correctly, in def- passes defended or something like that. So uh, anyway, let's see. I'll keep going with this. John Younger says, love that Mershon is coming on. Hopefully he keeps progressing. Yep, uh, we need Rice to be a big part of the offense. He's another guy. He's a big body, big possession receiver. He's important. Um, Greg Manis, how does Purdue contain a QB that is essentially a tall, wide running back? It wasn't pretty versus Syracuse. Well, the question is, and I think you know the answer to this, is how well does this guy handle the ball, handle the reads, um, compared to Schrader at Syracuse? I think Schrader at Syracuse is really exceptional at that. The weird thing is, if you watch Syracuse, they are struggling. Um, they are that win over Purdue um, looks bad. <laughs> looks bad for Purdue because uh, Syracuse is kind of doing what they have done under Dino, Dino Baber, Babers a couple times. I've told you how much I like Dino Babers, but I think as Syracuse fans, they probably got to be growing uh, weary of this. So um, I don't think Nebraska's quarterback is as good as Schrader um, at running the ball, at reading, et cetera. Does that mean that he's not going to be successful? Uh, I doubt that that's, that's, that's what it means because this defense has struggled on that, obviously, multiple times this year. Wisconsin um, also made put Purdue on skates. Purdue was having a hard time containing all year. Um, let's see. Uh, sweet name Steptoe, yeah. Zion, Zion Steptoe is a great name, um, and I, I hope he I hope he has some impact at cornerback. Handle Jones, my pal, says, "Is there any way to watch Arkansas game this weekend?" Yes, there is. Handle, it's on um, ESPN Plus slash SEC Plus. So if you have an ESPN Plus account, you can watch it because I think it's automatically in there. Um, but uh, it's a little it's a little tricky. Um, I don't have an ESPN Plus account. So Dick Stillman again says SEC Plus. Um, it's on the ESPN app. So I don't have that. Uh, I may not be able to give postgame thoughts other than what's been wrapped up. Hopefully there'll be some highlights posted someplace because this is going to be a little bit the next couple weeks. I think you've got then the BTN minus games are coming real soon. And I'm not paying Big Ten any money extra because of that service has been so bad. So unless I figure out a way to... Find find those telecasts, whatever those those streams. 
Uh, I'm going to be in the dark as much as you guys are, and I'll apologize right now. I do everything I can to, to get post-game thoughts to you, but some might be a little bit of regurgitation, which I hate. Um, let's see. Uh, Kilo Mike says, uh, I thought there was going to be growing pains, but there's hope. Uh, here's hoping that they can get four wins and be bull eligible. Yeah, I, I, I'm exactly with you. Mike, um, that I thought they were going to be growing pains. I did not think they would be this bad this early. I think everybody thought, I think most Purdue fans thought you get one more win by this point. So uh, two wins looks pretty rough right now, especially with uh, Michigan coming real shortly and their backs are against the wall versus Nebraska. Um, but I believe, I believe I picked Purdue as a five and seven team. I think that's going to come up, <laughs> come about. I don't think they're going to get to six wins. So oddly enough, my um, prediction of the way they would end the season is going to probably come to fruition. Be just because I didn't think that all the parts would gel. I was kind of looking at just the facts on the table plus the schedule. That's my biggest definer there, and why I'm not overly surprised. Um, at the overall um, product. So, Matt Hostetler says uh, different Matt the. Let's see. Different Matt than. Doctor. Different Matt than usual. Um, great comments. Uh, but I actually am a doctor and my name is actually Matt. So I don't know if you're. Are you the. Are you saying you're the Dr. Matt or are you, this, are you a different guy? And that's. I don't know. I don't know the point there. I apologize. But, Doc, thank you for. Thank you for coming. I don't know what you're a doctor of. Uh, I don't know that. I'm a doctor of love. Um, so unofficially um let's see dylan how are you dylan uh uh dylan's let's see he just says be dad and he says uh dylan's are pure athletes of course they are dylan i got what you're saying i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah i think he's referencing dylan theneman dylan's are naturally athletes uh in case you didn't know uh, he's just educated you. um so let's see diaper dandy says greg McManus. let's get down here um yeah, John Younger, good point. Brevard has been solid. Yeah, and, and Brevard, that's a guy I thought would make impact last year. He's the Penn State transfer. I believe, you guys tell me I'm wrong, I believe he's 93, 93 or 91. I have had a hard time with all the new names and numbers. Uh, but Brevard has been solid. Um, uh, he's been, I think, I, I think there's just, that there's still an issue where, um, when we've needed a big play from the middle, it hasn't happened. But Brevard has been solid. I think that's a fair point. Um, let's see. Carl. Uh, darn it. I got glitchy there. Uh, Carl Hororho. Uh, Michigan is the only team that can stop Ohio State. Suddenly Michigan should be excluded from the playoffs. Just a coincidence? Yeah, right. Yeah, so so there's a, there's a bit of a conspiracy theory talk there. Wow, I took a huge jump in the comments. I apologize. Um yeah, uh, I apologize. Let's. I apologize. I, got, I went went way down there. My screen went way glitchy, and I apologize. I'll go back up here. Um, yeah, Broxton Davis. This is a great point. Missing Jay Money on Nebraska Week. I was waiting for the ISO tonight. No ISO tonight. I apologize uh, on behalf of Jay. Uh, I don't. I was surprised he didn't come on, just because, just because um, of that. Just because of the fact that it was a good time uh, for him to put down what he usually puts down, which is Nebraska hate. The funny thing is, though, I think his Nebraska hate, and I think I might be speaking out of turn a little bit, but I think it cools a little bit 
without Scott Frost there. Um, but his beef, really, the root of it is the fact that he thinks their fans are clowns and they're delusional. And so any delusional fan base, whether it be kind of Illinois' overall delusion or um, Nebraska's, I think he has a big problem with that. But I don't think he disdains Matt Rule. And I think that's part of the things where maybe that, that kept him from being here and really spewing some fate, uh, some hate. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Noodle, great point. The art of the Audible was lost a long time ago. And, and you could say, we could say that that's because um, every coach, right, it's a copycat uh, game. Nobody trusts their quarterback. It might be true, but... Um, how how smart would it be to implement it as the as you know this is happening, especially by the I mean that's an elite program that's doing this, and they say pretty much everybody uh, is stealing signals. Stealing signals during the day is one thing, or during the game is one thing. Having a system to steal them is another. I'll compare this to a team I disdain, the Patriots, who were caught stealing multiple times. Nothing happened to them. I know it's pro sports, a lot different, but I. Uh, I just don't have any time for it, especially when, you know, the fans are going to uh, put their noses up and tell you how great this program is, regardless of what's happening. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, Michigan fans at times can be a, a snotty bunch. So we'll see how this is handled on um, on social media in the coming weeks, days. There are a couple guys I wanted to hear talk about, a lot of people that are pundits that will probably make excuses and tell you this is what everybody's doing anyway. But hardly anybody, if anybody, is doing what Michigan's doing where they have a system where they send a guy out, he buys tickets, he cheats, he watches, and then comes back, reports, and they go through and they cross-analyze with uh, film. Michigan's pretty special in that way. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Let's see... Travis Brennan says, as much as I hate uh, so many games have been on Peacock, at least it's good service. Exactly, Travis. Uh, sadly, Purdue will not be on Peacock for the Michigan game. A lot of Purdue fans feel like it's good juju. It's a good chance to um, uh, have the old spoiler maker moniker uh, back out. I got bad news. This Michigan team is really well coached. They cheat, and they've got really, really talented guys and depth, just like Ohio State did. So if somebody goes down, there's another five-star behind him. This is a tall order, and there's no Urban Meyer on the sidelines to let down his guard. Jim Harbaugh uh, doesn't do that very often. Um, in fact, if you guys can think of an example of Harbaugh just letting down his guard, um, maybe they'll do it for a quarter or two quarters, but they don't do it for a game like Harbaugh uh, was historically known for doing. Um, let's see. Yeah, John John Riker, great point. The tone of Coach Walters today was very positive. I agree. And that's one thing he's – I think that type of attitude is important for a program right now as they're transitioning and figuring things out. I think it's going to be good in the long run that you have a bunch of guys that aren't giving up on the season when it feels like it'd be easy to give up. So I agree. Uh, very good point. Um, Noodle, great point. I would love to see more of a hurry-up offense uh, with no substitutions, really can put defense on its heels. And the problem you might have there – is the fact that the depth, the issues we've talked about, is a lot of these guys aren't in the shape they need to be in because you had guys that were kind of banged up coming into the season, got back in the position where they were ready to play right before the start of the season, so they weren't in the greatest position in the summer to be playing hurry up, and also they didn't know the new offense. It's like two problems, right? Um, 
I have no doubt that if this offense was played with more pace, it would be more effective. But we have not seen much of that. It's been very much in spots, and it has not been um, – uh, we haven't seen enough of it during many drives to say, yep, that's it. But the only way to beat teams is to have a clever wrinkle. One thing that's clever is putting a team on their heels and making sure that they can't outrun you. So that takes that takes physical fitness. That takes knowledge. And I don't think Purdue has either of that right now on the front. Part of that, though, the offensive line being the, the two, three deeps. You have a, a lot of guys that, you know, they're younger. Uh, they're not as strong, and they're probably not in the shape that maybe the the ones. If you had all um, an experienced se- senior laden class all all up there on the front, it'd be a different it'd be a different game, different story. Um, Adam Beasley, very good point. Uh, Walters has to keep the recruiting hype. That's the main goal at this point. Just stay positive, make the strides you can. I don't think he's going to struggle um, with losing a bunch of guys just because of who he is. The way he communicates, the fact that he's relentless, and, um, and I didn't mean to do make a Tom Allen reference there. I mean, he's truly relentless in the fact that he's got a high energy, uh, he's got a high motor off the field. I hate to use all these, all these cliches. But it, it's true. Uh, when you have a younger coach, it's really easier to say, okay, this guy's not going to give up on something it's because he feels like he has to prove something. I think he's got a decent chip on his shoulder, and he's got youth on his side, and he's an engaging guy. I think recruiting is going to stay strong. I, I sure as hell hope so because they need that lifeblood. The problem is recruiting freshmen versus guys that are out of the transfer portal. You're developing a program, but it takes time too. Not a lot of those freshmen are good right out of the shoot the next year. So recruiting is important, but we may not see the immediate impact. It may be a season or two before we see it actually coming to uh, on the field. Let's see. Uh, you called him Mr. Matt and then Dr. Matt. Yeah, yeah. He's funny commenter, uh, Matt Hostetler. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know if he's Mr. Is he Mr. Doctor? Dr. Mr.? Um, let's see. Uh, a lot of uh, Matt Hostel says a lot of negative comments on the Purdue f- football or Facebook page. Uh, I hope the players don't follow that page. I don't know if you're talking about football or Facebook there. Um, I'm guessing football. I don't know what you're talking about. But I, the, the, there is a lot of negativity if you get on Twitter alone, right? Anytime there's a bunch of fans gathered, you're going to have a little bit of that. Um, Twitter is a cesspool. We all know that. Many of you guys. And there's girls in here sometimes that that um, that I know. You guys are holding down the fort. Uh, some of you guys are super positive, which is awesome. I think I'm kind of right in between. Uh, I don't think I get after um, uh, Greg McManus. I just noticed a comment: our Michigan men would never. Exactly, Michigan men would never do. They have higher standards. They would never cheat. Jim Harbaugh, king of Michigan men, would never cheat, and he's never acted like a weirdo ever. Never acted in any way in particular that would draw anyone's suspicion of him being a fraud. Um, yeah, he's done a lot to... I used to like Harbaugh a lot. Uh, I liked him as a Colt, of course, because I grew up a Colts fan. Um, he's done a lot to ruin that last couple of years. Of course, go back to the Purdue-Michigan game a couple of years ago where... Um, sounded like Purdue was torturing the uh, opponents, not only with the medical staff, but also with the awful visiting a locker room situation when that visiting locker room is kind of what visiting locker rooms are in the Big Ten and in college football in general. 
and Purdue's medical staff is not um, lax. Purdue's um, the people that come and help out on those days uh, from the local hospitals. Nobody's lax there, and everybody's doing their job. So Harbaugh can suck it. Um, let's see. Uh, Colts got screwed on Sunday. Nicholas Lynn Festi. Let me sound off about this because I've been saying this to people that I know. The real problem to me with the way the Colts lost on Sunday, I'm going to tell you my opinion. Granted, there were two pass interferences. One was questionable. The other one was probably legit. The one on the uncatchable ball, I don't know how. I know uh, the rules experts sounded off. They said, yeah, unless it's thrown into the stands, they don't really say uncatchable anymore. That ball was about 11 or 12 feet in the air when it hit the equivalent of the back of the end zone. The way, the nature of the right, that guy would have had to have been Superman. Um, and then it, it was so far out of bounds. It was not, the trajectory of it was not a catchable ball. So that is the questionable interference call. The other one is probably legit, where he's coming out, where it sucks because um, there was a fumble on that play, and that was a great play on, on the front by Speed. But if you go back, here's my problem with the Colts on Sunday. And I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, so you tell me if I'm wrong. But the Colts lost that game to me at the end of the first half. They had the ball with like a minute 47. They had the ball. Minute 47, and the score was, I think, 21 to 17. Colts were up. In that minute 47, they gave up 10 points. So they go into half 27 to 21. That's the game. They managed that so poorly. And I think you could put that on many things. I think Minshew made a major mistake there. Um, the coaches didn't do the job. It looked like they, they weren't trying to run the clock out. But that 10 points really made a big difference. We can blame it on the officials. I'll say this all the time. I don't like bad officials. That was bad officiating down the end of that game. Um, and it did favor the, the Browns. And it obviously aided that, that, that score. But let's go back. Take those 10 points off the board. You've got a different game. So that's just my take on it. So if you want to, it depends on perspective. But yeah, they got jobbed a little bit, but I don't think it's a complete thing. Um, uh, John Reichert said, I really liked Harborough when he was uh, coach U of San Diego. I liked him when he was at Stanford. Um, that's another. I, I, I mean, I loved Andrew Luck as a college player. I liked Harbaugh there. Good point. Um, let's see. Uh, Handel Jones says, Michigan is a loss. Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, IU. Uh, what's the... F, CF, uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, Minnesota. I don't know what you're saying. Handle. I apologize. Um, yeah, that's. Um, I, I do think Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, IU are all games that Purdue should win, could win. So this game, the Nebraska one, is one I. I, I don't like to say fear. I hate the word fear when we're talking about as fans. I just hate it. Um, we've got real things to fear. I have a friend that's a reservist who uh, just got called up. He's got two girls. He's got a wife at home. That's something that to me as a dad who knows this guy, that's something I, you know, I, uh, I'm going to pray for his family. That's something that's a life changer, right? That's something to fear as a, <laughs> as a Purdue fan. I don't fear much. Um, but Nebraska bothers me because the fact they're big and strong and, um, they still have bodies. They're still good. I think those other teams, Minnesota is just flailing around. They are not a good team. North, Northwestern, when they say they play well, you're like, they still are not good, and they still don't have the personnel. And IU, holy moly, I know they're going to be motivated, especially if Purdue has five wins at that point. But IU, my gosh, you talk to any real IU fan. I've got a neighbor who's an IU fan, and he says, 
man, these games aren't even fun to go to at all anymore. So he's thinking about not getting tickets. He's, uh, his, his daughter's an alum. Um, but three of those four games are ridiculously winnable, to quote Scott Frost. I keep doing that. So, um, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Q Turner says, could Purdue go 5-0 and the rest of the season? No, I don't think so, Q. I don't think so. Sure, they could. And I could, I mean, there's also miracles happen every day. And I could start sprouting hairs up in this area like Jay, a beautiful flat hairline. I mean, it could happen. Is it going to happen? No, it's probably not going to happen. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Matt Huss, I was asking you your thoughts on the announcement of the Michigan game being on Prime on NBC. Folks of the official Purdue Facebook page have been filled with negativity about that. I, too, am not really positive about that, Matt. So um, I do not like that scenario of primetime on the road at Michigan. I'm a history guy. I'm a history buff, let's say. And I would say that Michigan in the big house is an absolutely terrifying place for Purdue with good teams. This Purdue team is an okay at best team, right? Is that fair? Am I being okay? This Purdue team is a a team in transition. Michigan is not in transition. And that's prime time. They are going to be dialed in. And they're going to, you know what else they're going to have now? They're going to have even more motivation because all the stuff that's going on, people like me, I'm not the only one that's causing this in case you're worried about this. But people like me saying, yeah, they're cheaters. Now they're going to have that circle the wagons, wagons mentality. And they're going to say, it's us against the world. Ohio versus everybody. Or as they say, Michigan versus everybody in this case. Yeah, everybody, Michigan and everybody. Upstart Michigan Wolverines. I don't like the scenario. Um, I don't like this this situation at all. So I'm I'm not completely negative. Like I said, I think I'm someplace in the middle when, when it comes to Purdue fans. I don't like this game being on primetime on NBC. I like the fact some of my fellow Purdue fans can watch the game because there's been such loud complaining about Peacock. Peacock is dirt cheap. Peacock is a solid product. You get decent product for what you pay for. Great value, I would say. I'll go that far. Great value for what you pay for. Um, yeah, so anyway, those are my thoughts on, on the Michigan game being primetime on NBC. Um, uh, <clears throat> Noodle says, yes, but Michigan won't have its stallion. That's true. If you guys don't understand that joke, Noodle's a genius. Uh, they won't have its their stallion. Uh, um, yeah, uh, John Reinhardt says, let's see. Oh, Handel. Handel says, you think uh, Arkansas will press a lot on Saturday? <clears throat> I, I hope, like you said, I hope they do. Um, I want all of, I want all, everything coming at Purdue. I want it to be chaotic. I want the freshmen to be, uh, the redshirt freshmen and the true freshmen, one true freshman, Miles Colin. I want them all to feel the heat of a true road game, to feel the intensity of a very athletic team coming at them. I want them to press. I want Purdue to, Figure out early. If it's not early, let's say figure out by mid-season how to handle a press because that's a problem still um, until I see it proven to me. Uh, uh, otherwise, I'm going to be bothered. I'm going to be bothered by presses and Purdue's ability to handle them. So if you've been listening to Matt Painter, by the way, at all, in any media outlet, Bragg's in the stands had a great interview with him too. They got a good relationship. Sorry about hitting the microwave, microphone. Um 
Painter is so damn good. And Nish says this all the time. He says, it's, it'd be really easy to hate Painter if it was just like, okay, yeah, he sucks in the NCAA tournament right now, and I'm sick and tired of losing March. If his, if you didn't find him so damn engaging, you listen to the interviews, he's so honest, and he'll tell you why he's let down. He'll tell you how he's let down. He's pissed off at it, just like you are. And then all of a sudden, you're like, damn, I can't be mad at this guy. That's the way I am about Matt Painter. I like Matt Painter. Um, I wish Purdue could. I wish Purdue could find some magic in March, just one time, just one freaking time. It doesn't. I'm not even. If you be, let's be real honest. It's not magic we're asking for in March. We're asking for an equal performance in March as they play in February. That's what you want. And really, the last really fun March we had was when Purdue played above themselves. With Carson Edwards, you know, going nuclear on the NCAA tournament, breaking records that uh, greats, uh, including Steph Curry, um, had set, and Purdue got to the round of eight. So if you play just to who you are, get get to the round of eight, get to the round of four. I'm not asking for a national title. I'm not ridiculous about that. I really am not. But get me the damn final four before I die. So yeah, I still like Matt Painter. Um, and I'm very frustrated with Matt Painter, too. Still like him, though. Um, yeah, Matt Hosteller, great point. Peacock literally costs less than a Frosty at Wendy's. Frosties at Wendy's are also a great value. Peacock is a great value. Um, but um, let's see. Meister Burger, great name again. I want Heidi to start. Meister, I can understand. Maybe you want him to start at Arkansas. He's not going to start a lot this year. He's not going to start a lot. He's going to. He's a guy that's going to... I don't know if he's going to get significant significant minutes. Um, he's going to be a fan favorite. People will be like, "Oh, I can't wait till he's a regular in the eight man rotation." But we're going to talk about this later on this very station, on this very website. That there are so many guys that are that need and want and deserve minutes and so few minutes to hand out. This is the real conundrum that Matt Painter has to figure out every year. But this year is exceptional. You've got 11 guys that all, for one reason or another, deserve a look, deserve a significant amount of run, and they're not going to get it. How do you keep guys motivated that are really good basketball players that don't get the playing time that they might get just down the road? It's a hard thing to do. Heidi is one of these guys that I'm like, I think Heidi's good with the fact that he's got, he's got a future at Purdue. It's really, really good. I just don't know how soon that future is. I don't think this year you're going to see him being a significant minutes guy. I would say I'm betting right now, just best based on what I've seen so far, what the what the roster looks like, if everybody stays relatively healthy, I'd say you've got 8 to 11 minutes a game. He comes off explosive, hits some shots, tough matchup because he's athletic, fun stuff there. And then you say, ooh, this could be great in a year, a season or two. But this isn't the era. Think about this. If Heidi came in, when the baby boilers were here, right? He'd be a starter. Not right now. Not right now. Purdue has Purdue is loaded. They are loaded with talent all over the place. So tough position to be in for some of those guys. Um, as Painter said, I, Painter said, I think uh, last year, winning's got to be enough for these guys. Meaning, winning games has got to be more important to this guy than just saying I need to play. That's a tough. That's a tough equation, especially when you sit on the bench a lot of the time in the middle of the winter in Indiana. It might be really hard to stay motivated. So, um, 
Handel Jones says, if South Carolina, Auburn, Texas Tech, Oregon can make the Final Four weekend too, let alone mid-major schools. There's no doubt you're right. That's completely logical, Handel. You and I have talked about this many times, I think. And I talk about it ad nauseum with friends of mine. It makes no sense that Purdue can't get to a Final Four. None. The best point that I've seen about this was by somebody in the national media that said, he said it last year, that the way Matt, Matt Painter has built the program, they are going to take some shots over the next two, three years. What he meant was they're going to have a roster that is filled with talent, big time talent, and a bunch of guys that buy into Painter's system. And it's going to keep happening. This year you got Miles Colvin. Next year we're going to have another guy. I don't like to talk about anybody until they're signed. When this guy signs, I'm going to be celebrating because I think he's a huge difference maker in a program. When he signs, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I don't like talking about recruiting. But when he signs, if he signs, you've got another one coming. And then the year after that, it looks like they're going to have two more guys that are beasts. Holy crap. Yeah, this is a program. This is a good program. It's a top five program. Legit. Now, can you do a damn thing with it in March? All fair. All fair criticisms. And it's time. Gosh darn, is it past time. Uh, Matt Hosteller says, uh, Will Helt's family sits behind me at the games. I think he will be big for our team next year or two. Another solid freshman. Yeah, I like Will Helt a lot. Number one, he wears 15. Purdue fans, we love number 15. But that kid is a man-child. He's going to fill out over the next year or two. Already he's getting significant playing time. I think he's six foot six. I bet his dad's a big guy. I'm just going to go out on a limb. But yeah, he's going to be really important. He's going to be, he's one of those pieces of this pie, the pie that really matter. I agree. Uh, Greg McManus says, Heidi has a similar arc with fans to Basil. Uh, I hope he stays instead of leaving like Basil did. Well, um, I think he's going to be more significant right away as a an offensive presence. And I think he's, because of his, his athletic ability, Basil was a little bit limited with his, his athleticism. Um, he, he was not explosive. Heidi is explosive. Um, and I believe Heidi might be a little bit better shooter. So maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. And, and I think he's going to be important too. So um, John Reinert says, Painter plays for regular season just like Katie. <clears throat> sure seems like it. Sure seems like it. It's, uh, there's no doubt. Um, regular season matters, right? And I used to say that regular season mattered so you could get the right seed and get through, make a run in the tournament until last year when we watched 16 beat one. And then all my stupid years of saying, get the Big Ten championship so you can get the top two or three seed. Well, did everything right last year. Get the one seed. Poop the bed. Mercy. It's going to be a tough season because a lot of people are going to be wrestling with this, this internal discussion, I think. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't think, by the way, I don't think it's that Painter doesn't care about the NCAA tournament. He, if you listen to him talk, he cares about the NCAA tournament and he understands it's a big deal. Um, Katie understood it was a big deal. If you ever, I mean, if you ever talk to him out of season, Gene Katie, when he was in his prime, he, it aided him that they couldn't get further in the Big Ten. And he knew, or Big Ten, in the NCAA tournament. And he knew that defined his legacy. Um, you don't want to be the coach that's like the, the best that never did this. The best of the guys who couldn't do it, couldn't get over the hump. Gene Cady, by the way, if you don't know this, Gene Cady asked 
Shashevsky to come and talk to him. And he went and talked to him and listened to him. How do you do it? How do you make these runs in the tournament? If you don't know that, that's true. So Gene Cady did care about the postseason, but he could not get over the top. And we can talk one day. We'll talk about this, about why does Purdue have these problems? Why? What's the deal? I got to tell you, I think the program is different now than it's ever been. My opinion. It is different now. Top to bottom talent, top end talent and backups. It has never been this good in my lifetime. It may have been this good in the 60s. I'm not trying to be funny. I think this talent, this roster, I don't remember 1980. I don't remember what that, how that roster was comprised, but you did have uh, an All-American center and you had some pretty good guard play. This talent is different. That's my opinion. Uh, part, of, part of that is development. Painter's very good developing players, but he is recruiting higher-end guys too. So, and he's getting them to come to Purdue. Um, so, Noodle says, I think the regular season mattered to Katie as much as the tournament. His teams overachieved in the season. They didn't usually have another gear for the tournament. And I think that's a great point. I think that's the, that's the real difference. I think this is different than the Katie teams. Katie obviously had one of the best players ever in Glenn Robinson, right? But on that team, that roster was Glenn Robinson and role players, right? That was, that's my sweet spot. I was at Purdue during that time. And the team that followed up after Robinson left, you had Waddell and uh, Conzo, who were good shooters, but they, you need creating guards, guys that can in the tournament. To me, that's the thing that, that's why Carson Edwards was so important. You need guys that are, uh, uh, you want to use that stupid, um, Alphas, right? Guys that say, yep, it's my game. Get on my back, right? It's good with centers, but the problem with centers is it has to go through someone to get in their hands. There are very few centers that bring the ball up, right? So that's the big difference. Um, but yeah, there was no depth on those those KD teams, even the good ones. They, they didn't, or they, no talent depth. They had a bunch of role players. They were good players, good players. And then when you'd run into great teams, when you run into Mitch Richmond, for instance, the, the, the three amigos, those were really good players. Really good players. Mitch Richmond was a NBA all-star, right? And I know they beat Mitch Richmond by like a yard dog in the preseason of that year. But Mitch Richmond was that alpha. He was that dog who said, okay, let's go. Let's go. Get on my back. We're going, right? So uh, anyway, I could give you examples why I think that's, I think that's truth. I think that's the big difference is that uh, the construction of the roster was different back then. I think this team is different. Um, but Purdue's still young at guard. If you want to go into tournament formulas that work, right? You need you need very, very good point guard play. You need very good guard play. Purdue's still young at guard. They're better than two freshmen, no doubt. No doubt. Um, uh, John Reiner, Katie, completely different from Duke problems. Uh, yeah, well, let's look at... I was at the, the 94 game when Purdue lost in Tennessee. Number one, Robinson was hurt. Number two, Michigan had Grant Hill. They had, I can't remember all that. They had um, uh, Thomas Hill. Was he on that team? They, they had a roster full of All-American type guys. And if they weren't All-Americans yet, they were going to be next year, right? That's the big difference. Those were, those were absolute thoroughbreds. Um, yeah, Dick Stillwell and mac and cheese bites for the win. That's an AJ's comment, and that's awesome. So I think I've been on long enough, 58 minutes. Um, I tried to make it a handsome hour for you, um, and we're going to get on. We're going to get done in just under a minute. But I'm going to read one more because I'm an idiot. Um, 87 team uh, was t highly touted. Yep. So the expectations of 1987, right? The expectation of the three amigos, 
similar to the expectation this year. That team was number two, I believe, in preseason. I believe they're number two. This team's number three. The only team this team, only reason this team's not number one is because of the way they, they finished it. The reason that team was number number two <clears throat> was because they're like, okay, you've got a core three guys that are awesome. They're very, very good. But let's think back. And I and you, we can argue about this, but let's think back. After those three on that team, Purdue was solid. They weren't great. I would argue this team is has just, you've got the best player in America returning. The best player in America returning. And then you've got a bunch of guys who, depending on the night, can step up and score 25 points. That's pretty awesome. And you can say, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy at all. Just let's think about those magical nights that get sprinkled through last season. They're going to happen again. They're going to have guys that will step up tonight's your night, Mason, right, like he did last year. There will be guys that just step up. I think um, we are all discounting Fletcher Lawyer too much. Every Purdue fan is discounting Fletcher Lawyer too much. I think every Purdue fan is discounting Braden Smith too much. I think every Purdue fan, if you want to go anybody, uh, Ethan Morton, everybody's discounting him too much. Ethan Morton's a guy that's been left for dead. I've been I've been on the Ethan Morton uh, fan club for a long time. Ethan Morton looks like he's lost about 25 pounds. And supposedly, according to Brian Newbert, he looks quick now. And he's actually bringing the ball up. How about that? Let's not forget about these guys. Let's not forget about this roster. Uh, that's a four-star point guard recruit, by the way, out of high school. Ethan Morton. I know we're like, eh, what have you done for me lately? We, we can forget about them. Their other fan bases hate these guys. They hate them. And there's good reason. So, um, Edie can be Joe Barry Carroll. Sure. Uh, Edie's better than Joe Barry Carroll, right? He's better than him. Different era, but Joe Barry was never the national player of the year. Um, Best burger at AJ's, Matt Hosteller says. It's probably the Greek, the one with the euro on it. Uh, That's a lot of food. I think it's a euro on top of a burger. That's pretty amazing. But you better be hungry because it'll defeat you if you're not. Uh, but I'm a champion. Even when I'm not that hungry, I still go through it. That's why you get you have the body of a champion when you think like a champion, when you eat like a champion. Uh, let's see. John Younger says, haven't had the mac and cheese bites, but the spicy bird at AJ's is chef's kiss. What are you doing? You haven't had the mac and cheese bites. I've been talking about those for two years, okay? I've been talking about them for two years. By the way, I'm past an hour. Thanks for nothing, guys. Thanks for nothing. And with that... With that, I will finally uh, uh, bid you adieu. Have a great evening. God bless you. Hammer down. Talk to you next week at 9 p.m. Next week at 9 p.m. We'll have a real handsome hour. If those guys aren't too busy, get on the Twitter machine. Talk shit to them. I will be here um, with a post game at some point, either right after the game, the next morning, something. Uh, after the Nebraska game. So you're going to hear from me, and then you're hear from those guys. But like I said, give them a hard time. They deserve it. Um, thank you all for tuning in live. Thank you for those listening on delay. Um, and uh, that's a lot of talking from one guy, but I appreciate you guys sounding off. It makes a lot of fun. And uh, let's do it again. God bless you. Hammer down. Talk to you soon.